In 2009, as part of a sabbatical, I spent a great deal of time in Israel-Palestine. I had gone to university at Hebrew University of Jerusalem two years previous and studied archaeology. I enjoyed my time there immensely, but because I was at school, didn't have a lot of time to do some of the more fun things that Israel-Palestine had to offer. When I was there in 2009, I decided that I was going to rent a sukkah, which is a type of a desert dwelling, for a week. So I drove out to the Negev desert and met the hosts who would be shuttling me to my sukkah. They equipped me with some water, some fuel for a fire. I had packed with me some food, some flour, some lamb, some prunes some almonds and couscous, and together we made our way across the hard-packed sand rippled from the wind in a land cruiser. I arrived at my sukkah, and they handed me a radio and said, if you get into distress, just message us. Your closest neighbor is a kilometer away, and you'll be here by yourself for a week, and we'll pick you up in the early morning, seven days from today. I got out of the cruiser, walked into the sukkah, hot from the desert sun already. The sukkah had very thick carpeted walls and a carpet on top of the sand with a small bed that was padded and a pillow, a very rudimentary toilet that did not flush. There was a spot to hang a bag for water for a shower, a small kitchenette for you to make some food for yourself, a fire pit outside. And I went inside and started to unpack. The first thing I did was to start a fire because I knew I'd need it to cook for the next week. Within an hour and a half, my long, dark brown hair, which was almost halfway down my back, had been tied up. I suddenly realized that washing my hair was going to be a problem. I didn't have enough water. The sand was starting to collect on my scalp, so I took a skirt and wrapped my head in the skirt to protect it from the sand. I was somehow reminded of biblical characters, Deborah from the Bible perhaps. I was also thinking of our Muslim brothers and sisters and other desert cultures that continue to wear head coverings as a marker of their time, of where they came from. This is true for Jewish women today, some of whom wear wigs, but others who wear snoods or hair coverings. It was an interesting time. I started to cook my meal for the evening time. Roasted lamb, homemade pizza bread on a concave grill over the fire. The aroma was fantastic. As the sun started to set and the temperature cooled, which can become quite cool in the desert, The stars started to emerge and I looked at the vast array of the sky and I was reminded of several biblical scriptures. I was in complete and utter awe of this universe in which we live. I was also in deep admiration for those ancient astronomers who could tell the patterns of the sky with their naked eye. I went into my tent and searched for scorpions the biggest enemy in the desert. They tend to lurk in dark places 
So I had to check the inside of my shoes and my bed and little nooks and crannies. Scorpions in the desert in the Negev are probably the size of a two pound coin. They're very tiny. I went to bed that night utterly, blissfully exhausted. I awoke the next day at sunrise and I started to realize again that most of my time in the desert was going to be about survival. I'd been well prepared for survival before, having grown up in Canada, spending a week in the woods in the winter, gathering wood for the next year. But this was different. The silence was deafening. The silence had a weight. It was amazing how thick the silence could be. The silence was so loud you could hear the little grains of sand rolling over top of the dunes. My time there was all about staying alive. I lost track of time. I didn't wear a watch and mobile phones wouldn't really work out there and you needed to save your battery for there was nothing to charge them with. I went to bed with the sun and I rose with the sun. In those moments, past memories came back, both sorrowful and joyful memories, long forgotten in the recesses of my heart and of my mind. Things I'd long forgotten about were suddenly there. They presented themselves to me strangely. Some of them were painful memories. Some of them were not. About three days into my time there, I realized that despite being an introvert, who often works as an extrovert, that being away from other people and being with myself was difficult. I had nowhere to escape to. I was with me all the time. Everything I had tried to run away from in my life was still with me. It came to me that what I was experiencing was a sort of small emotional trauma. It also came to me that I was going to have to manage this well. And how I would do that would be to observe a time of rest and a time of activity. I looked at my food supplies and my wood supplies and I was reminded of Jesus' prayer. Give us today our daily bread. I learned how to eat just enough and not too much and not too little. How to ration out what I needed. I mean, I could, if I needed to, radio for some help, but I didn't want to do that. I saw this as an opportunity to challenge myself. All that which was not important suddenly fell away. I realized the priorities I needed to make in the day, but also in my life. All those things that I held on to, perhaps, that didn't serve me well, started to be stripped away in the desert heat and in the sun. About day four, I started to feel like I wasn't doing enough, but yet I was doing a lot. It was exhausting work, just keeping myself alive and healthy. It was a moment and a time of mystery and of wholeness. It was also a time of brokenness and realizing the fragility of life. 
I also became greater in tune with everything that was around me. Not hypervigilant, but just better in tune. At the end of the week, I saw the cruiser come across the dunes with the dust flying behind it. I had everything packed up. I had about 300 milliliters of water left, still warm from all those days. I said goodbye to the suka, the fire now put out, memories of wonderful meals made. And I got into the cruiser and they asked me how I fared out and I said it was the experience of a lifetime. As I got back to my rental car in the car park and got back onto the road, everything suddenly seemed very busy. People, talking to people, seeing people, listening to the radio. The silence was now broken, and somehow I longed for the silence. So I turned off the radio, but even the car engine sounded loud as I was driving. I look back on that time and think, if I can go through that, I can go through anything. That time in the desert has prepared me for now. Some of us are in isolation at the minute. Some of us are at home with others. The silence might seem very loud, so we have the radio or telly on in the background, and everything that we hear is about the current circumstance with this virus. It's okay right now to lose track of time. And it's okay right now that we observe this period not as a period of inactivity, but a time of holy rest. It's also okay for us now to realize that actually what we are going through as a whole world is a trauma. And that emotional trauma needs to be tended to. We do that by resting. We do that by keeping active. We do that by staying in touch with one another. And we do that by recognizing that we have enough for today, our daily bread. Something that I've been struggling with is how do we do ministry in this new and unfamiliar way? Feeling like you're not doing enough when in fact you're doing a lot. It feels in many ways that it's important for us to be seen. And I don't mean physically, but through emails and phone calls. Am I doing enough? Well, yeah, I'm actually doing a lot. And maybe you are too. Checking in on each other, checking in on yourselves. It's helped me to realize both the desert experience and now that all that which doesn't matter should fall away. That our priorities should be reshifted. As we look at our society and culture and economic systems, we're really putting into priority now what matters. The local grocery shop doesn't have any crisps or fizzy drinks. It's basic necessities. All that which does not matter is starting to strip away. It's my hope that this time that we are being asked to stay at home is not a time of an unrest, but a time of a holy rest, a meaningful rest, a time in the desert, so that when we do emerge from this, we can emerge reinvigorated, rejuvenated, much the same way that I did coming out of the desert. A lot of the habits I picked up there are still with me. 
rising with the sun, going to sleep with the sun, which in British summertime is rather difficult for me. I still do wake with the sunrise, and when the sun goes down, I do start to get sleepy. It's never left me. I hope that this time that we find ourselves being asked to stay home can reorient us, can be a time of wholeness and healing, to be a time of reconciliation within ourselves, to take a holy pause, a holy observation, and to be able to come together and support one another and care for one another. I hope that you have found this story to be a bit lighthearted and entertaining for you, but also inspirational for you. So, until next time, Shalom from Shalom in the Home.